Take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to Galatians chapter 5. Will you please? Galatians chapter 5. Over the last several weeks, we have been looking at evidences that we are Christ-like disciples. John chapter 15 shares with us the connectedness that is so necessary in our lives if we are going to prove to be disciples of Jesus Christ. We've said that there are four evidences of that discipleship. That we love one another, that we invest in fruit, that we keep his commandments, and that we exclusively understand that we belong to him. Over the last number of weeks, we've talked about investing in fruit. Operation Christmas Child is an opportunity for us to invest in fruit. Jesus said that we were to pray the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. And we recognize that. Each of us is to go into all of our world and preach the gospel, but my world is pretty small. And yet, God has given to me an opportunity to go into all the world and preach the gospel through Operation Christmas Child. Now, I want to show you what the impact of this really is. 10,983 boxes were packed at the packing party ministry. You can say amen or you can applaud. You can do this. With 60 other folks involved, we had 4,134 boxes that were packed. Now, if my math is correct, that's 15,117 total boxes. Amen? Amen? And we are so grateful to be able to invest in fruit through Operation Christmas Child, and to literally share the good news of the gospel around the world. And as you and I are connected to to the Lord Jesus Christ and recognize that we are to live out the connection, we understand that we are to invest in fruit for his honor and his glory. Because great is his faith. Galatians chapter 5, are you still there? We have looked into Matthew chapter 13 and studied the sower and the soils. Recognizing that fruit will come as it is planted in good soil. And it will bring forth that which is amazing, unbelievable almost. 30, 60, 90 fold for the honor and glory of our God. And here in Galatians chapter 5, we recognize that God has given to us his spirit. His spirit so that we can bring forth fruit. If you want to grow fruit, we must walk by the spirit. You follow along in your copy of the scriptures, please, as I begin with verse 16. Philippians, uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. If we want to grow the fruit of the Spirit... We must walk in the Spirit. Now, Paul, in writing to these believers in Galatia, wants them to understand the wonder of that walk, the freedom that they have in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Are you still in Galatians chapter 5? Jump up with me, please, to verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom in an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit. We've been called to freedom, amen? Isn't that great? And in that freedom, God has given to us the wonder of grace, the wonder of the gospel, the wonder of the Spirit to work in our lives. It's the gospel that sets us free from sin. It's God's grace, God giving to us what you and I, what we do not deserve, that gives to us the wonder of that relationship. But walk by the Spirit. And don't use your freedom to live out the flesh. Why? Because the whole law is summed up this way. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said that in Matthew chapter 22, didn't he? He was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second's likened to that, love your neighbors yourself. And so as we see the whole law defined by loving our neighbor and loving each other, we can do that in great freedom because of the spirit which God has given to us. Verse 15 is an interesting verse, isn't it? Starts out, but... But, if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. In verse 16, 
But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the lusts of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the lusts of the flesh. God has given to us a wonder of a relationship with Him. But as many as receive Christ, to them are given the privilege to become the children of God, even to them that believe on His name. And the Bible tells us that once we receive Jesus Christ as personal Savior, His Spirit indwells us. And that is how we are able to walk by the Spirit. Jesus said, I'll not leave you comfortless, but I'm going to send my Spirit, who will guide and direct you into all truth, who will teach you all things, who will bring all things to your remembrance. And it is His Spirit that guides and directs us even as we seek to walk to please him through grace according to the gospel. Walk by the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so Paul says, if we do this, we will not do that. But the reality is, we still have to deal with this thing called the flesh. We still have to recognize that in our lives, the flesh is real. And no matter where we go, no matter what we do, we carry this thing around. And it never leaves us because it's part of us. We'll not take time this morning, but we could go to Romans chapter 7, where Paul identifies his struggle with the flesh. And Paul says, the things that I want to do, those aren't the things that I do. And the things that I don't want to do, those are the things that I seem to do. And then he says, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the struggle of this flesh? Can you identify with it? You, you, you know where I'm coming from? We, we have the Spirit, but it's this flesh stuff that we always carry around. Now, last week we talked about the three enemies that we have. We talked about Satan, the world, and the flesh. And we identified Satan as those principalities, those, those rulers of the darkness of this world, that spirit of wickedness in high places. And the, and the Bible tells us to be sober, be vigilant, because an adversary of the devil is a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may be devour. And we need to know that Satan is alive and well. We also have to deal with the world, right? John identifies the world as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the, the pride of life. Our culture, our, our society standards. You, you know, our culture is not getting any more godly. As much as we pray that righteousness would exalt our nation, and we know that sin is a reproach to any people, this old world isn't getting any better, folks. You're aware that's not a surprise to God? And you're aware that Jesus said, as in the days of Noah, so shall the days of the coming of the Son of Man be. Must have been pretty bad back in Noah's day. 
where the Bible says God repented that he'd even made man. It was that bad. Now, I struggle with the devil. I struggle with this culture, this world. But you know what I really struggle with is my flesh. Because in my flesh dwells no good thing. And how do we identify the flesh? Our humanness, our emotions, our feeling, our self, our hurts, our anger, our rejection, confusion, and all things like this. And we carry this around. Samuel, will you come help me, please? I may regret this. This is flesh stuff. Okay? I'm going to keep these for later. But I'm going to stand down there, and I'm going to have you load me with flesh stuff, okay? going to have to lift my flap. Maybe I should have added all those up first. Thank you, I think. Let me tell you something. When you're carrying around a flesh stuff, it makes you unstable. When you're carrying around flesh stuff, you don't move as well as you once did. When you're carrying around flesh stuff, it's tough to operate. But it's there. Do you identify with flesh stuff? Humanness. Anybody got any humanness this morning? Yeah. Emotions. Feelings. Self. It, it, it's all there. It's all this flesh stuff that you and I care. We never get away with. Although we have the Spirit of God who never leaves us. It's still this flesh stuff that we carry around. And we have to figure out how to deal with it. Keep your finger here in Galatians chapter 5 and turn over to Ephesians chapter 4, will you please? Ephesians chapter 4. I want to start with verse 22. Paul writes, put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Now stop right there. That's flesh. Verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. All right? Be renewed in the spirit of mind. You remember what Romans chapter 12 tells us? Present your bodies living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reason. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove, renew your mind, and then put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. That's the spirit. 
but it's still this flesh stuff, right? Jump back to verse 14 of Ephesians 4. So that we are no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the human, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. But rather speaking in the truth in love, we may grow up in every way who is the head in the Christ. Jump down to verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let every one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one with another. So how do we deal with this? Paul says the way we deal with it is we renew our mind and we speak truth one with another. And we share in each other's lives and we recognize that this flesh stuff is part of our lives, but it's something we got to deal with because of the Spirit in our lives. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says that we are to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know what we like to do? We like to go up to a friend and we like to give them part of our burden. Now, you're not going to get it all burned. Now, I want you to notice, I didn't take anything out, I just shared it. Welcome to my world, Vern. I didn't solve the problem, but, Vern, will you now pray for me? Pray for me in the next 30 minutes that I may get through with this thing, will you? <laughs> pray that you don't have to carry it. But, but we do that, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. that. That's a good thing. But sometimes... We share with people who aren't involved in our lives and we start to burden them with our lives when they're not part of the solution for our lives. Remember what Jesus said? He said, if you know your brother's got ought against you, go find your brother and make it right. Remember that? Jesus also said, if you've got ought against your brother, go find your brother and make it right. But what we tend to do is, is, is we tend to take this burden, and Matt's got nothing to do with this. So I say, hey, Matt, let me share with you what's going on in my life. Now, I don't have anything against Matt. Matt doesn't have anything against me. True? Pretty true. <sighs> Oh, man, that just hurt my flesh, I'm telling you. <laughs> I did. I opened myself up for that. But, but what we do is, is, is we, we try to share, and, and that doesn't help our burden any. Frankly, all that does is, is it leaves Matt with a burden he's got to carry now. Now, Matt may agree with me. He may disagree with me. I don't know, but he's now got to carry this thing. And you know what we just did? We fulfilled our lusts. We fed our flesh. 
We said, misery loves company, so Matt, come be miserable with me. And we didn't do anything to be led by the Spirit. Now, it's important that we put off that old man, the flesh. It's important that we be renewed in the spirit of our mind. It's important that we put off the new put on the new man, the spirit of grace, the spirit of the gospel, because this is all progressive sanctification in our life. This is all growing and it's okay. We talk about challenge change. Pastor John shared that with us in his prayer this morning. Challenge change conform to the character of Christ. It's okay. Now, here's the take-home truth, and that's this. Growing in the Spirit means living out the freedom, the grace of the gospel that we have in Christ. Amen? Because there is this struggle. Are you still in Galatians chapter 5? Let me pull this together. Verse 16. But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. If you're led by the Spirit, you're not living out the flesh. If you're led by the Spirit, you have freedom to live out the relationship, the connectedness, the Christ-likeness that we have together in God's love who sent his son to die for us. Do you see verse 18? But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under law. Now, very quickly this morning. If you look into the Old Testament and start to count, you'll find out that there are over 600 laws listed for us in the Old Testament. This is beyond the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. And you need to understand this morning that those laws are in three categories. There are ceremonial laws, there are civil laws, and there are moral laws. You need to know this. And one of the reasons you need to know that is because if you don't understand the difference between a ceremonial law, a civil law, and a moral law, then you won't be able to understand where our culture is. Leviticus gives to us many of these laws. Ceremonial laws. Laws that deal with the Levites, laws that deal with sacrifices, laws that deal with the feast days. Those laws are not applicable today. Okay, you know that, right? So as you're reading the Old Testament and you comes to a ceremonial law, we no longer live under that law. We live under grace. Amen? You need to know something about civil laws. Civil laws do deal with the rotating of crops. Civil laws deal with the mixing of fabrics. Civil laws deal with what we're to eat and when we're to eat it, right? 
civil laws to Israel no longer apply today. And then there are those moral laws. Those laws that deal with holiness. Those laws that deal with ethics. Those laws that deal with righteousness. Now, the reason I say you need to understand this is because you can get caught up in Leviticus pretty quickly. Leviticus tells us about relationships one with another. What is a holy relationship between a man and a woman? That's a moral law. But if you're not careful, you'll have somebody look at Leviticus and they'll say, well, you picked that law, what about this law? And if you don't recognize that that law is either a ceremonial or a civil law that does not apply today, you're going to go, dab, 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 dab. All right? You, you need to understand this. In the New Testament, Jesus gives to us the concept of the law, which is grace and freedom to live a life that pleases God. To live a life as a new creature in Christ Jesus. Now the problem in Galatia was that there were Judaizers. And these Judaizers in Galatians chapter 1 moved away from the gospel. The gospel which is grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. And they said in order to have a relationship with God through his son Jesus Christ, you've got to keep all the law. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to follow Jewish tradition. You must live under the law to be saved. Aren't you thankful that's not true? But, verse 18, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Because we're now under grace through faith in Christ. Amen? Spirit stuff. And yet we still struggle. We've been saved by grace. Amen? We've been justified by grace. Amen? God's grace is sufficient to meet all of our needs. Amen? And even our speech is to be seasoned with grace. And the freedom we have is this grace of God that brought us salvation. A relationship with him through his son, Jesus. But we still got this flesh stuff we carry. And what happens when this flesh stuff is lived out? Verse 15, we read it already. If you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. Don't use your freedom, your grace, to bite and devour and be consumed. Why? Because that's works of the flesh. That's not the spirit. That's works, the flesh. Jump down to verse 26. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. 
If we're going to live in freedom and live by the Spirit, don't allow the flesh to become conceited. Don't allow the flesh to to be provoking. Don't allow the flesh to be envying. Why? Because that's not of the Spirit. And so how do we deal with this? Let me take you to a familiar passage of Scripture. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. That's page 1285 in my Bible. I don't know what page it is in yours. Hebrews chapter 11 gives to us a listing of those who were successful in living out the faith. It is a great reminder that there were those who went behind us and who, because of their forward look to what God would do in their lives, were able to successfully live out the faith. And now the writer of Hebrews talks to us. And he says, therefore, because of those successful saints, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. (laughs) Got it? And the sin which clings so closely to us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let's stop right there. Lay aside every, and you can put the word in there, possible weight. Because there are just some weights you can't lay aside. We'll not take the time, but back in Galatians chapter 6, it says, everybody's got to bear his own burden. We all got it, right? We all got flesh stuff to deal with. We all have hurts. We all have circumstances. We all have things that we would change in our lives if we could, but we can't. But every weight that's possible, lay it aside. I used to do a lot of running. And you know when you're running miles, how much your shoes weigh makes a difference. I never tried to run miles in my hiking boots. I wanted to, as much as possible, get rid of the weights. I couldn't get rid of all of it, but I wanted to do everything I could. And get rid of every sin. Sin's different than weights. A sin is a known fracture in your relationship with God. Sin is missing God's mark. Sin is unrighteousness. Get rid of the sin because it clings to us so easily. And run with endurance. Life's not a sprint, is it? 
It's a marathon. And if we're going to be successful in living out the Spirit and not fulfilling the flesh, we have to keep after it. Because there are many times that the flesh weighs us down and sin can cling to us so easily that we're not going to be successful unless we get rid of it. And how do we do that? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now, why is that so important? Will you jump down to verse 15 with me of Hebrews chapter 12? In your notes, this is just listed as a reference. But I want you to see it. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Stop. The grace, gospel, the led by the Spirit, the walking in the Spirit. See to it that no one fails to recognize what God has given to us in His grace. See to it that no one fails to understand how the gospel brings us together under the authority of Jesus Christ. This is good stuff, folks. Grace, gospel, spirit, wonderful stuff. Why? That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many are... You notice that? It's really easy to get bitter about something. It's really easy to cause trouble among the believers. It's really easy to defile others. If we don't recognize God's grace, God's gospel, God's spirit working in our lives. It's either flesh, flesh, or spirit. Right? There it is. And Hebrews says we do it by looking unto Jesus. How many of you have a smartphone? Oh, come on, more of you have it than that. Well, one of the apps I really like about my smartphone is the camera. I like the camera. Now, my camera has a couple of modes. The one I just used was to document the fact that all of you are here today. So, if you, hi, Jack. Jack's taking my picture. But, but one of the things on my phone is that I can turn it around. <laughs> oh, man, isn't he handsome. You know, the problem we have is when we start looking at ourselves and we think, aren't we handsome? 
we're no longer looking at Jesus. You can either take a selfie or you can look at the Savior. You can't do both. Now the question is, what are you looking at? Who are you looking at? Let me share some truths very quickly this morning on how you can win the battle. All right? How you can turn these burdens into to blessings. What can we cast on God? Peter says, casting all your care on him, for he cares for you. Amen? And there are some things that we can just very quickly and very easily leave with God. I'm thankful for that. Number two, what kind of things can we cover with love? Scripture says that love covers a multitude of sin, and there's nothing better than loving. Now, when it says cover a multitude of sin, it means this, buries it, hides it, so that it cannot be found. If we are really loving, you can't bring it up again, folks, because you've buried it. Aren't you thankful that's how God loves us? When we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness, and he buries it in the deepest sea, and he takes it as far as the east is from the west. No longer our sins are remembered before him. Amen? That's God's love. I am thankful for that this morning. And if we're going to turn these burdens into blessings, we have to ask, what can we cover with love? We have to ask ourselves, who do we need to connect with? You know, a lot of times we carry stuff that we were never intended to carry. We were intended to deal with it and get on with it. And it's always our turn. Right? Isn't that what Jesus said? You go to worship and you remember that your brother's got something against you. Leave your gift. Go handle it with your brother. Jesus said you got ought against your brother. Go to him. Handle it. Who do we need to connect with to get rid of some of this junk that we carry around? To whom do we need to confess? Scripture says, confess your faults one to another, that you may be healed. Sometimes I just got to say out loud, I'm sorry. My fault. And lastly, on whom do we need to concentrate? Are we doing a selfie or are we looking at the Savior? See, we're talking about fruit, folks. And the only way to get fruit is to walk by the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Gratify this stuff that we carry around. And we carry it, and it gets heavy, and we sweat over it. I'm not sweating. I'm glistening, by the way. And we forget about all of the freedom we have in Christ because of the gospel. 
and because of his grace and because of the Spirit. And that's what brings us together. Now, Paul in Galatians chapter 2. You can turn there, but it's going to be up here on the slide, and we're going to read it. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, gives to us the package. Can we read it together? Three slides, so stay with me. All right, here we go. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Amen? Fruit. Scripture tells us that if we're going to have this fruit, we must recognize the freedom in the Spirit and the grace and the gospel that we have in Christ. Christ Christ-like disciples for his honor. 